Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. It is Rivalry Week. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. What week is it? Rivalry. <laughs> Rival Rivalry. <laughs> Dang it! I should have done my warm up. Real World Rose Rolls. Real World Road Rolls Challenge. Rivalry Week. I just Tip. watched Alyssa Lang do it, and she freaking kills it. She Tip gets it every tongue. time. Tip of the tongue. Rivalry week. Scotch, 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 scotch. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is it is it is my favorite week of the entire year. Like I love it so much. Family, Thanksgiving, rivalries. Like it's just so much fun. Last week of the regular season. Lots to be thankful for as college football fans. Lots to be thankful for as SEC fans. Uh, take some time this week to just be grateful for the things that you have in your life, including college football, because it's the end of it. We've only get 13 weeks of it, and then it's like over, and it's like Kaiser Soze and just gone and uh we had a great time and, and it was a blast and we got some big games to talk about the vols choke of course over the weekend Hendon hooker injury just a brutal way to to end like could not have been a worse night of football for tennessee fans um nope. could not have been a better day for vanderbilt fans so we'll get into that they got a big matchup in in nashville this weekend yep. uh, n- nobody in my family will sell us tickets even for my daughters uh that's how big this game is for vanderbilt right now um we got the I'm egg certainly bowl. not going to no, we've got the Egg Bowl. We've got Lane Kiffin Twitter drama. We've got the Iron Bowl seemingly like more of like an afterthought and a fun game than like a meaningful game. Uh, lots of lots of really big rivalry games, though, in terms of like value to the season. Aaron, mm-hmm. I don't re- I don't I can't remember a week uh, a where it mattered this much. Yeah, like a Thanksgiving rivalry week where almost every game feels like it's carrying so much weight. You've got Auburn, Missouri and Vanderbilt all trying to get to bowl eligibility. Mm-hmm. Kentucky and Louisville are really evenly matched. This is as close as South Carolina has been to Clemson in like 10 years. Yeah. Um, Florida State is favored by 10 points over Florida, which has not happened in Like Florida's one that, that has been dominating that rivalry. And then and, even the teams that aren't fighting for bowl eligibility are potentially solidifying or breaking their place in the playoffs with losses or wins. So even on that front, it also matters. Yeah, the I-10 hate that we always talk about on this show, I think more than any other show with LSU and A&M. LSU still, and like, they think they have an outside shot to the playoff. We'll get to the rankings in a minute, but they've got to play at A&M, and that's been a crazy game ever since A&M joined the league. So uh, lots to get to, playoff rankings, all kinds of fun stuff today on the show. Before we do, however, Fringe Element is brought to you by... J.E. Dunn, the, the magical gift to all workplaces and people who work in that workplace. That is Jay Dunn. If you work at Jay Dunn, you're probably extremely grateful and thankful for the job and the career that you have. Definitely. So if you are not extremely grateful or thankful for the job that you currently have, and you're looking to maybe find some of that, that Thanksgiving, that, that inspiration, jedunn.com is the website. Go check out the, I'm not, you know, you don't have to apply for a job. You don't have, just go look at it. Just go take a look. And I think you're going to find out that what we're telling you has been true all along. That Aaron would never tell you a lie, and that we are there's a reason that we're partnered with JE Dunn, top 100 healthiest place to work in, in America. We didn't just make that up. That's like a fact. That's yeah. just a like that's not it an eye. That's not eye test. That's not the that's not the committee using the eye test. That's a that's a resume. That's a fact. And also, listen, we're not selling you FabFitFun boxes or you know mi- miracle hair growth products like there's it's no essential. Just, there's not no even essential selling oils. anything. <laughs> No essential oils. We're not selling you Nutrisystem. We're not selling you anything. If you hate your job and you don't want to work there anymore, you can work at J.E. Dunn. I feel like this is the easiest ad spot of all time because we're really not asking you to do anything except for potentially be happier. So go, I'll not go. tell you. If you don't want to work at a multi-level marketing firm, go to J.E. Dunn. If you're sick of selling Arbon, please head over to jedunn.com. Stop giving them all the mentions. Lula, Lula Rich next on the, on the show coming up. I didn't even think about that being a by default ad spot. I uh, promise you, not all advertising is good advertising. No, Arbon that's knows. That's true. Uh, all, all I know is there's lots of documentaries about all these uh, pyramid schemes. <laughs> that, yes, there are. That involve a lot of... Uh, Dude, I'm, so well, into the Scientolo- I'm so into the Scientology documentaries right now. I can't get away. What about the uh, the goop? What about are you, in, are you into the goop? Do you, do you buy the jade egg for $75 from I know you think I'm basic as shit. But no, I don't think so at all. You don't? No, I. That's why I, I, I don't mean, think that's true. <laughs> my my question about goop though was a rhetorical one. I do not think that you spent seventy five dollars no. on a jade on a jade egg to shove into your private parts. That is not the, um, what, I, what I think happens. No, I have not done that so far. <laughs> so, um, 
We'll see how bad the weekend gets. I'm kind of on a Leah Remini kick, so <laughs> do it that way you will. She's got she's the Scientology documentary, right? Like she's yeah, dude, yeah. that shit is so interesting. Okay, yeah, we should talk about yeah. football. All right, football. Uh, all right, go to JE Dunn. Uh, check out their work opportunities. You don't need any background or history or whatever. Just show up, and I guarantee you, you'll find some happiness and some inspiration, and you'll probably make pretty good living. And they'll take care of you as long as you want to be a part of a good team. Uh, so not a good team. Tennessee Volunteers. The defense has been bad most of the season, but it but it got exposed in a really brutal way. And I cannot remember a night where more things came crumbling down for a team where a Heisman, a, probably a front runner for the Heisman trophy loses, ends his career. Unfortunately, that didn't play this a really season. Good, well, it probably ends his college. I mean, he's done in college. Uh, okay. Way, so, yeah. Sorry, co- yeah, yeah. College career. Um, but it will affect his draft stock. It'll affect his Heisman trophy chances. He did not play a good game before the injury. So it's, that's not the reason they lost. They were torched by South Carolina and Spencer Rattler because Sometimes you just play the best game of your life <laughs> in the most important time. He did and... have three touchdowns. He, uh, oh, you're talking about Hooker? I didn't yeah. think he, I didn't think he played particularly well. I thought he missed a lot of open receivers, and he might have um, had misses, but let's not like totally take it away from him. He did no, but to but, yeah, give but up... not to Hooker nor what we're used to. Right, and to give up 63 and to lose your Heisman chances, and to end your college career, and to hurt your draft stock, and to lose the playoff chance, all yeah. in one like quarter of football. It was like, not, yeah. I cannot remember a more painful ending to a season. unless it's not a crisp showing from them. Unless they lose to Vanderbilt with Joe Milton at quarterback this weekend, and Vandy gets to bowl eligibility, which would be spectacular for Clark Lee. That's the, the only, only other the way. The third gets... coach ever to get to bowl eligibility at Vanderbilt within the second season. Look at that. That's nice numbers right there. Thank um, you. I, look, I think Tennessee always was like an 8-4, and 9-3 and three team. Their defense was always a major question. Did they overachieve? Is there going to be a moment where Tennessee fans step back and appreciate the season for what it is, which is a spectacular step forward? Yes, at some point yeah. that's going to happen. But that that is as painful a night as I can remember. Man. Yeah, I think just in coming off the – the dichotomy of coming off the high that they've been on with like the win against Alabama and the rushing the field. And just, it really has just been all adrenaline. And um, I mean, not to say that, not to discredit what the balls he was able to do. It's not like the only thing they had going for them was energy, but it's just really hard to uh, go from what they went from to losing to South Carolina, not in a close game, but in the fashion that they lost it. And Hypel talked about after the game, like how much it really needed to hurt like this game needs to hurt for us. Like we need to feel it. I also think that it's hard when you lose somebody like Hooker to, you know, to really know what that game would have looked like. But that press conference was brutal because he's talking about how much it needs yeah. to hurt. And all you hear is Gamecocks being chanted in the background from even outside the press conference room. Wow. And it was wild. I bet I would have, I'm not, not that I wanted to see Tennessee lose like this, but that I would have loved to have been in Williams Bryce on Saturday. Yeah, that place was awesome. And that, again, we said it all season, like weird stuff happens. Nobody saw this coming, of course, but absolutely to, not like this. No, no, no. Like again, Spencer Rattler has not done this at any point during his entire life. It's never happened. Um, so, but weird things happen at William Bryce stadium at, on November nights. It's just as part of the game. The Tennessee defense was going to regress to the mean at some point it did against Georgia. It was going to regress at some point. It, it, ha- it just happened in such dramatic fashion that no one could have predicted 63 and a torn ACL like it's just it's just brutal now I will say I don't I don't think I find it funny that everyone just like rediscovers Joe Milton every time he takes the field like the whole internet's like oh my god look how big and strong this guy is and I'm like oh my god he's played football for five years and never been able to hit an open receiver like I I I think Vanderbilt has a real chance to beat them because I don't think Joe Milton is very good at football I think that the the mm, trajectories or like the uh momentum that Tennessee is on going down a little bit and Vandy's going the opposite way. It's it it's at least going to be close as it often is, even when there is a large discrepancy, a wide discrepancy in the talent levels and the achievements of teams. This game tends to be close no matter what. That's just how rivalry week goes. Kind of did it that time. You almost got it there. And (laughs) the, but just having a showing like Tennessee did, it really does hurt. You have to be able to bounce back. What do you do? I mean, it's not even ego. It's just the stamina of being able to get back on the horse and try to do it again, especially when you have a performance, which I can, I'm going to let you have a guess at this. When do you think the last time 
Tennessee allowed over 600 yards and this amount of points in a game. Give oh, me a year. Look at you dropping trivia on me. Um, I'm, I'm because of the the trivia question. I'm assuming that means it was a long time ago. It was uh, not recently. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 1987. 1893. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong century, Braden. <laughs> Wrong century. You're literally a hundred years off. Well, I knew it was pre Fulmer because of, they, they were so good. There's no now way that's it a hard happened. stat because both of those things to have. I mean, if you allow 600 yards, you probably allowed a lot of right. points, but that's it's a pretty specific number. Wow. But still, 1893 Eight- is a long ass time ago. Damn, Gina, mm-hmm. that, that is a long time ago. Um, and you have, by the way, infighting where your middle linebacker doesn't make the trip. And clearly Josh Heupel, uh, not, uh, it, I know you can have like a non-denial denial. Can you have like a non-confirmation con- confirmation? Because Heupel, obviously he was asked, Adam Sparks asked him directly in the, once they got back to Knoxville, like was Jeremy Banks involved in an altercation with another player? And, and Heupel clearly dodged the question with a non-answer answer. And so it's pretty clear that there was some infighting in the locker room like that. That's yeah. that's a bad thing to have happen when you're trying to fight for a playoff spot. And so um, just a just a dump. Confirmation confirmation. <laughs> right. Yeah, those happen all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Lane, we'll talk about Lane Kiffin in a minute. <laughs> so, um, so. Do we need to give any more credit to Spencer Rattler? I, I, a million percent. OK. Million, I just. Go yeah, go. Go for it. You, you're absolutely right. I think that. Yeah. Just talking about. I mean, Tennessee definitely blew it, but. Also, South Carolina was able to do a lot of things right. And there, Spencer Rattler, when he was doing his interview with Alyssa Lang, uh, he hopped on SEC Now. I don't know what day it was, but she asked him about his game plan and how it was different from the week prior and what it looks like, you know, going into this coming week. And he just said that they basically were um, making sure that they were, they had a plan and then they just, executed like they didn't try to shift in the game they're like this is our game plan this is what we're going to do and we're just going to pray that it works and just being able to try to stop the run but also just putting pressure on Tennessee from our receive like Tennessee's receivers and making sure that they weren't getting away with those huge fast moving chunk plays that make a huge difference in the game very quickly and they were pretty well able to do that and he just talked about being on he's like i just never have felt better than i did he's in like flow state that there's a goop term for you but just like old old people would be like he was in the zone yeah (laughs) now it's called a flow state a flow state okay yeah i just knew that would be just hip enough for you to hate it he's got all the vibes uh no i just i i I see nba jam in my head he's on fire like that's right that's all i that's all i see no he was just giving credit to his o-line too he did that I think your point about how they didn't change what they were doing the entire game. Once they got up, they didn't go conservative. They didn't pack it in and rat like they, the way you attack Tennessee's defense, we have said this all year is go down the field and attack their corners. They're not very good. And Rattler did it and was not just effective. He made the best throws of his life. Like he was, we're talking like into double coverage with the receiver high pointing it. Yep. And like just perfect throw after perfect throw after perfect throw. Narrow windows. All just all credit. Dropping yes. back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All credit. Now Georgia showed, I think, what you can do. I mean, Bryce Young torched Tennessee as well. Anthony Richardson torched Tennessee. It's not like this is a good defense. It has not been a great defense all season, statistically or otherwise. So Rattler just played the game of his life. And right. and I will say this, Shane Beamer. Like to have wins over A and M, Florida, Auburn, Kentucky on the road, now Tennessee in two seasons, back to back seven win seasons. Huge credit to Shane Beamer. I understand why other teams in the league are annoyed by him. He isn't a. He's got some like annoying vibes to him and how he acts and like the 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 how demonstrative he can be. But to the victor go the spoils, man. Like you can't if you yeah. if, if you're gonna. You know, if you're going to talk shit and you're going to back it up, then you get to you get to celebrate like that's how the world works. That's the thing. And his isn't really even like shit talking. It's just being more excited than people want him to be. Well, he was a little it was like on the field, like barking at players and stuff on the other team. Like that's a little. Yeah, I guess that I guess that's true. But But I mean, if you're if you're kicking their ass, what are you going to like? You got to, you know, you got to shut them up. You don't have to bark at people probably, but. Yeah, I think that's not going to – I wouldn't do go that far if I were him. But I will say that – did you see that he um, – I'm sure this is all over Twitter. I'm not the biggest Twitter person in the world, but <laughs> I probably should be with doing this line of work. Big but, quantum physics person, not a big Twitter person. Yeah. Although although Twitter's getting worse by the day. So Is it? Thanks, Elon. 
my none of my photos will load. I got that's a different problem for a different day. It's, um, it's, it's it was already a cesspool, and now it's like a it's worse. Whatever's worse than a cesspool. Anyways, if you're like me and you're not on Twitter all the time, he I'm sure this was on there, but his that his Beamer's youngest daughter texted him said all she wanted for Christmas is to storm the field. Did you see that? I, I did not see that, but that's and awesome. it obviously they did, and then uh, he responded and said Santa will certainly bring you something. Santa will certainly bring you something, but mom and I are out of presents. That was his response, <laughs> was which good. I think is awesome. And um, also kind of manifest yeah. na- manifestation for his daughter, or she just didn't quite know enough to know before the game that probably wasn't going to happen. But she was right. By, by the way, did not mention this at any point during the show so far. Chris Doring going to be our guest later on. Oh, he's going to talk about rivalries playing in the He has some very strong words for Florida State. It was absolutely hilarious. Uh, I did not ask him about the onset dust up between Peter Burns and Ben Watson, I think there was he resisted much, much. Well, no, I just he and I are buddies and I'm not going to I don't care. I don't care. It, it was a, I'm just telling you guys that it, it was like not real and real at the same time, but not really real. I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you they got they got like millions of views. So let's just leave it at that. They, they did their job. Um, He's great, though, talking about Florida, Florida State and all the rivalry games. And we talked about Tennessee and Lane Kiffin and all kinds of great stuff. But um, I, I do want to. He, he didn't want to talk about Vanderbilt in the Vanderbilt game. Um, but I do think speaking of storming the field, like you say, he didn't No, no, I'm just, I was just kind of kidding about that. Cause oh, okay. they, they played so poorly against Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt won the game, took the game to them and won the game. But speaking of field stormings, yikes, Dukes, that was one of the most pathetic. And this is not meant to take any shine off the win. The shot, the win is awesome. The win is great. Clark Lee, clear progress. We've said it on the show huge season and now they got a chance to beat Tennessee at home a 14 point underdog I, I it's it's a great year for Vanderbilt but that was one of the most pathetic field stormings I've ever seen it was not worth the hundreds of thousands of dollars that it cost <laughs> right. you got to make it worth it guys if you're going to storm <laughs> the field you got to you got to make it worth right. the money <laughs> right. luckily Vanderbilt although they claim to have none has plenty but oh. it's just embarrassing so I, I will say like do it right if we're going to do it so I here's what the one thing I'll this say this week would be a good week. Yes. Although there's going to be a lot of orange in the crowd. Uh I will say what's really funny about the matchup uh or about the the field storm is I saw a lot of like you and I have a lot of friends in the media or in around the media that are Vanderbilt graduates. We have a lot mm-hmm. of friends. And I thought it was cool what 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 that type of very chill field storm allows you to do is it allows you to like just like go up and like talk to players instead of like this massive humanity it's where you're worried not about what you I mean, like, no, but like I, what I I saw, like Andrew Marin buying the silver silver lining. Andrew Marin. Well, Andrew Marin is like brilliant author, uh, writes all kinds of really awesome My sport, guy. sports books. Vanderbilt grad, huge Packers fan, by the way. Love Andrew Marin. He's out there like on the field taking photos with like his some of the players and stuff, and like getting to have conversations and taking selfies. Where like I don't think you kind of get that personal interaction when it's one hundred and ten thousand. I'm Andrew's just like, to- how did you feel right now having <laughs> just won that game? Are you like? He's like right. He's like taking notes. He's, t- he's doing interviews <laughs> during a field storm. Um, we'll have to no. tell him we gave him a shout out. No, it. Listen, I I thank you for finding the silver lining in that whatever gold, whatever if you there will. You there you go. But no, we don't want to have a field storm where you're having to have like you're having like casual conversations about your Thanksgiving <laughs> plans. It's embarrassing and it's not worth the money. That's so good. Um, all right, we'll get to Chris Doring a little bit later on. Uh, the Egg Bowl, Lane Kiffin, Auburn, Iron Bowl, lots of other games, lots of fun stuff to do. And honestly, I, I would take Vanderbilt in the 14 and a half right now against Tennessee. I, I think Vanderbilt's going to play well. So I'll um, take it, too. All right, quickly here. Playoff rankings are out. Not a huge. Nothing really changes in the top four. Georgia number one. Uh, interesting. Two interesting notes here. LSU is at five ahead of USC, which is interesting, which means if they beat A&M in Georgia, they are in a very good position to potentially slide in. Should yep. chaos happen. And then Bama ahead of Clemson. Um, I think is important as well at number seven and eight. Now, my first question, and we'll do this real quickly here because there's a okay. lot to be decided. First question is, if Georgia beats Georgia Tech, uh, clean old-fashioned hate, my favorite name of a rivalry in college football, they are 35-point favorite. If they are 12-0, and like last year in Atlanta, are they automatically in the playoff? Yeah. Next question. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I agree with you. Okay. Is there is Do you see a path for LSU or Alabama to get into the playoff? Right now, I don't see a path for Alabama. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything's completely out of the question, but that path is not clear to me. I mean, you you can we can go it to just take us. It would take us a lot of hypotheticals to get there. 
LSU makes a little more sense if LSU is able to go. And I do think some of these conference championships are going to play a big role in exactly what's happening. Now, the college football playoff committee said, I guess maybe it was Boo Corgan. I can't remember who said it, but the that they went back and forth on LSU and USC quite a bit. What it came down to was just like USC just won, but very close. And they needed to see more from what USC was able to do on defense. And for them, it was just, that's kind of how LSU fell into the spot that they were in. But you are seeing that. I mean, if you look at, you know, if you look at these college football playoff rankings, you'll see that the committee is giving some credit to the PAC 12 that we haven't seen in a while. Um, I, I, so, think I, could, I think I could even argue they're a little underrated, honestly. The Pac-12, like, yeah, like USC's behind LSU. You, 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 you know, Washington. But, then, like, but you, but strength of schedule. There. Well, I mean, they've got six ranked teams in the Pac-12. Like they, that is a good that's, league. I mean, that's you're not wrong. USC went on the road and beat Oregon State. I, it, I don't. This is an SEC show, so I don't want to get too down the rabbit hole. No, I, but I, this matters because because right. it affects right like. How many LSU. LSU? How many teams are seeing from the SEC? In the I, I think the Big Ten is the one that's being propped up by the committee, and no one wants to admit that. No one. Everyone's always like SEC bias, SEC bias. Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State do not have any big wins other than over Penn State. The three of them, they, they do not have a single win over anybody meaningful. Uh, Notre yeah. Dame, Ohio State over Notre Dame is a good win, but like that, they are getting the benefit of the doubt more than any other conference in America. And everyone thinks it's an SEC bias, SEC bias. Well, actually, Michigan's beaten nobody. Penn State's beaten nobody. Ohio State, I guess, again, Ohio State and Penn State have, Ohio State and Michigan, excuse me, have beaten Penn State. But other than that, other than that one team who's also not beaten anybody, they are getting the benefit of the doubt, in my opinion. I, I, yeah. I think, I mean, I could argue Alabama's the third best team in America right now. Like, if you put them on a field with Michigan, who are you picking? There I, is, that's why the playoffs is so complex, because it is a combination of a knowingness as well as what's on paper. So yep. there are times where you have to kind of, you know, yeah, I think yes. there's a lot of people that if if you really sat down, you're like, do you really think there are six teams better than Alabama in the country right now? <laughs> a lot of people would say, no, I don't think that, but you haven't, you haven't done what you needed to do on paper yep. to put you in a position to be there. I do. I mean, what happens? They are so two Ohio plays, State they and are Michigan two, play. Alabama is two plays away from being number one. Two plays. I mean, they lost. They lost both of their games on last second plays, but final play of the game on the road against number ten and on the road against number five. Yeah, but that, that, that's it. That's it. Otherwise, they've beaten everybody else. That matters though, because no, I agree. I agree, but like that context is important too. It is. I wonder how many others, if we went through our like I, how I, much the rankings would change based on if we gave every team in the top ten two plays. How much things would be different? Well, I don't LS, know. LSU could have a win over Florida State. But yeah, LSU lost, could have further. Oh, yeah. But a loss to Alabama. Uh, Tennessee could have a loss to Alabama. USC mm -hmm. lost on the final play of the game in a two point conversion in overtime to Utah, a ranked top twenty team. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's a. That's why I think USC is being undervalued because their only losses on on the road against Utah on a, in a two point conversion, just like LSU. Like, I, you, I, so I, I think the strength. Yeah. You're right. No, to finish your thought. Well, I just think that uh, if you can do, you can play this game because you could also be like, well, A&M could have beaten Alabama on the last play of the game. Like you can, you can kind of play that game. I just think the, the, I mean, Bryce Young didn't play in that game. So that seems to be important to me. Also Alabama well. being that close to A&M is not a good look. No, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's terrible. But Bryce, yeah. the best player in college football didn't play in that game. So True. Like, I, True. I, I think that's important yeah. context to mention. Um, so that I don't know. I think Alabama is the, the second best team in the SEC. They went on the road and smoked Arkansas. LSU barely beat Arkansas with a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, Alabama lost to Tennessee by a point on the road. LSU got beat by four touchdowns by Tennessee. We can go round and round and round here on LSU yep. and Alabama. And if they if and if a, a freshman tight end drops a two point conversion, Alabama is ranked ahead of LSU and winning the West. Like I just true. Uh, yeah, me, I mean I it Alabama's, is. I think Alabama's better, but that's it me. is really it's it's very close. And as for the other like just the mentions of how things could change. I do think that if you are someone that also follows Pac-12 or you want to see how it affects your team and you're looking to see, it, like, if USC is going to be able to pull this off, I think that what that really comes down to. And, like, just because it matters on who they'll keep out if they make it, that's – they would have to beat Notre Dame in a pretty, a like, pretty firm fashion, don't you think? 
What you uh, for USC to get in? Yeah. Oh, I think I think USC's in if they win their next two games. You do. You don't I, think I, it yeah, matters yeah. how they win? Okay. No, no, I don't think it matters. I think they're in. Um, because I think what what so if you're an LSU fan, you're trying to figure well, out. Do they to, need to do that by a better margin than Ohio State does? No, because the win. So the winner. So Georgia's already in, in our opinion, right? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, Georgia's I think, in. I think I think Ohio State, Michigan winner is going to be in, and then the mm-hmm. loser is probably out. If USC runs the table and TCU runs the table, if you're a Bama or LSU fan, what you want is for TCU to lose a game, yeah, for USC to lose a game, and for the Ohio State Michigan game to not be close, so that you can't argue yeah. like that they're equal. You have to, you want to see like Ohio State dominate or something, and that way Michigan's sort of clearly eliminated. Because again, mm-hmm. there's nothing on Michigan's resume. They beat Penn State, and that's about it. Like they, their their second best win is Illinois this past weekend, and that was one of the ugliest games of the weekend. Like Illinois almost won that game at at home in the big house. God, it's so it's, we could play this game. If you're LSU, you have to beat A&M and Georgia beat Georgia. If you beat Georgia and something else happens, I think LSU can get in, but I think it's a long shot. So we'll see. We got, we can, we can talk about this next week. One of the only teams that really, which we've talked about many times since everywhere is one of the only teams that actually does have control over their own destiny. Kind of. Ish. I mean, they, I think they still need a little bit of help, but if a little bit, but not there's not like 10 hypotheticals between the man, them and you, a spot. No two lost teams ever made it. But if you beat Georgia, man, and and the Tennessee losing sort of moves them ahead of Tennessee. And so that because Tennessee was going to have the spot, but now Tennessee's out because it was an ugly loss. And those two t- losses would both be the top 25. For LSU. Teams. Yeah. Yeah. Because Florida State's now a top 20 team. So that mm-hmm. their loss again on a final play of the game missed extra point. So like just context, Wild. context is super important uh, in, in how we define body of work and, and all this other stuff. So, uh, all right, we'll talk. Uh, well, let's let's get to um, the Egg Bowl, Lane Kiffin's drama, the Auburn coaching search in the Iron Bowl. We'll do all let's let's, let's do all that. How about what do you think? You want, you want to talk Lane Kiffin and Twitter? Yeah, you kick us off here before we get into Lane Kiffin and who's the real owner of Twitter, not Elon Musk, but Lane Kiffin. Before we get into that, uh, of course, J.E. Dunn, remind everybody, J.E. Dunn, our great and amazing title sponsor. Tell them 440 Sports sent you. Go look at their their career opportunities. Top 100 healthiest place to work in America. Five billion in annual revenue. Offices all across the Southeast. Um, they are just a, a group of fabulous people. I know all the ones here in Nashville are just they're awesome guys and, and men and women. And I just think it's it's a great company. We would not tell you to go check them out if we didn't mean it. Um, and I look, look, a lot of you guys. This workforce has some power in America for the first time in a while. And if you're looking to make a change and you want something that's going to people that are going to care about your career as much as you do, J.E. Dunn, J.E. Dunn.com. Okay. So check it out. Do you want people to care about you? If you want people to care about your career, (laughs) if you want your employer to care about your career as much as you do, if no one cares about you, (laughs) (laughs) look, how many employers care deeply about their employees? Like um, b- big businesses, like not nah, there's there it's a big machine, you know. Probably what I mean? less than would admit it. Yeah, it's this is not this is not high road capitalism that we live in here. This is low road capitalism <laughs> that we live in here in this in this country. Productivity is way up and wages are not. So if you want to change that, go work at J. E. Dunn. How about that? There you go. That's nice. Yeah. I'm still waiting on my swag. I didn't Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin. He he's is he making a move? Look like look, look. I told I said last week I didn't. They got they got absolutely hammered by Arkansas. I do not think that that was the distraction. I think that's a bad Ole Miss defense, like Tennessee, a battle, a bad defense statistically coming home to roost, regressing to the mean, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Arkansas is a pretty good football team, especially at home. And I I think this whole thing on Twitter with the report that he's le- stepping down on Friday after the game, and I think this is all egg bowl nonsense. Am I crazy for thinking that? You think it's all egg bowl nonsense that that's going to happen? Or is like the hype around it? I think that the report from the guy, it was like, I would not be shocked if Mississippi State was responsible for all of this. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Like they're creating noise and distraction during Somebody else would have done it if they hadn't done it. So there's there is a great thread uh, from Ross Dellinger, of course, who's covered the SEC for a long time. He does this long 13th. He does it every year. It's one of my favorite things because he goes back and relives like the pettiness and the espionage and the posturing that takes place in the Egg Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and he just and I, I would not be surprised if the leak or the source was like a Mississippi State person, like planting the information to get Lane Kiffin to have to comment on Twitter and then distract from the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and, and create think, and create noise for the players. Like, oh, is he is he is he going to step down on Friday? You know, you know what I'm saying. Don't you, know you think saying? this thought? Don't you think there would have been like noise no matter what? Don't you think there's going to be speculation just with that job being open? Period. But I know what you're yes. saying. No, there are there are there already has been. That was the right. whole that was the whole narrative around the loss to Arkansas is that they were completely destroyed because he was distracted. He's the number one candidate for Auburn. Blah 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 blah. All this right. stuff. I just want to read a couple of these bullet points here from Ross, okay. just so that people get a grasp of how insane. I mean, you, 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 you Mississippi people know exactly about all this, but he's he says the petty goes back to the founding of one of the schools in 1878. Mississippi A and M, now Mississippi State, was created 30 years after the University of Mississippi, quote because of the disdain dirt farmers had for Ole Miss. Her archives. <laughs> in many ways, nothing has changed. In 1905, stop. In 1905, after the two teams played for the first time in Jackson, um, Mississippi State students carried out a full military-style funeral for Ole Miss football, toting a real coffin through the heart of the city. Dude, that's dope. Isn't it? Um, how about this one? In the 1920s, Mississippi State baseball coach and former Rebel coach, Duty Noble, of course, the name of the baseball stadium, right. famously said, quote, I already know what hell is like. I once coached at Ole Miss. <laughs> this is too good. In 1926, a melee broke out when Ole Miss fans stormed the field in Starkville after a 7-6 to six win. State fans beat those from Ole Miss with cane bottom chairs until the very chairs had splintered her archives. You want some more? One hundred percent. Let me also say that sounds like an even worse decision to rush to field than Vanderbilt last yeah, week. That's very true. Keep going. Uh, one Egg Bowl week in nineteen sixties, a plane dropped hundreds of pamphlets onto Ole Miss practice containing disparaging remarks from state players about the Rebels. As it turns out, no one from state was involved. It was all a stunt by the Ole Miss coaches. See what I'm saying here? Yeah, you know I what do. I'm Spying is real during Egg Bowl week. Paranoia is high. To prevent rebel spies, Jackie Sherrill had campus groundskeepers plant dozens of fir trees along his practice field to separate them from the highway. Two decades later, those trees are now 30 feet tall. <laughs> Dude, just wait for someone to poison them. Keep going. Yeah. The, oh, God, what a good point. State coach Sly Croom only held practice indoors during Egg, Egg Bowl week. Houston Nutt did the same thing at Ole Miss, but they didn't stop an uninvited Mississippi State fan one year from walking through an unlocked door at the Rebels practice facility. He rang a cowbell and yelled, go dogs. <laughs> stop. He could have just taken notes. That would have been more strategic. Jeez. Less funny, but more strategic. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss coach Billy Brewer and state coach Jackie Sherrill had a long running beef. Brewer welcomed Sherrill into the SEC by calling him a habitual liar. Sherrill replied, nice. Billy doesn't know what the word habitual means. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Where'd you get all this? This is all Ross's tweet. This is all his thread. Oh, this he is all his tweet? This is all his thread. He does it every year. It's one of my favorite things that he does. This is awesome. Uh, during one e Ole Miss practice at Egg Bowl week, a coach fought a, a uh, during one Ole Miss practice uh, during Egg Bowl week, a coach fought a spying state fan and threw him over the side of the stadium. On the field, players gasped. Had they just witnessed a murder? No, David Cutcliffe had concocted the entire thing. It was a mannequin dressed in maroon, and he threw it off the side of the stadium. That's too good. Wait. <laughs> David David Cutcliffe, of all people? That's freaking hilarious. Uh, before one Egg Bowl during his tenure, Dan Mullen placed Ole Miss stickers in the state locker rooms, in the urinals, and inside the commodes. State players proceeded too well. <laughs> urinate all over them. <laughs> yeah, obviously. What else are you going to uh, do? And, then, and this is the one that's really interesting, of course, because... Um, Hugh Freeze being linked to the escort service, right? Like all that stuff, the phone records or whatever. It, that was that was discovered by a Mississippi State beat writer, Steve Robertson, who's been on the show before. We love Steve. Uh, shout out to, to Steve Robertson. And like the person who was in charge of that, this, this brings it all full circle. Because again, I think the series is tied at like 15 over the last 30 games. It is the best football game maybe of the year in the SEC. Honestly, the, the amount of hatred. But this brings it full circle because the reason Hugh Freeze and all that stuff got out and the reason Hugh Freeze got fired and all that stuff that came down was a lot of it was Mississippi State. The same way Mississippi State was trying to get the Cam Newton guys in trouble at Auburn, right? Right. The athletic director at the time at Mississippi State is, of course, now the athletic director at, at Auburn who might be set to hire Hugh Freeze. <laughs> this is like the most sick, <laughs> hilarious web of of Mississippi of the of the southeast ever. Yes, it's so good. I uh, like the and the game itself like Mike Leach has been terrible in rivalry games. It's a huge game for him. He's 0 2 in this one. He's been terrible in rivalry games at Washington State and in Texas Tech. You know, this is a season defining game for both of them because but they're both you, pretty good. 
do you have concerns about the matchup for Ole Miss? Because I do think that yeah. with the way Ole Miss has been playing and then just Mississippi State's, you know, their tactics in general and just Ole Miss's ability to defend against the air raid offense and how Will Rogers is, you know, able to spread out across the field and is, is Ole Miss going to yes. be able to is Ole Miss going to be able to combat that when you have this much talent and you have Will Rogers' arm and you've got these guys spread out? I really do think with what we've seen lately and how many points the Rebels have allowed in in games lately, it could be tougher for them than Ole Miss fans would like to believe. It's weird. Like, if all the Lane Kiffin stuff is even semi-true and he's mildly interested, the defense is not going to hold up Mississippi State. I like State to win. But what's funny is on the field, these two teams have kind of been pretty quiet this week. It's been fairly calm. They're just two pretty good football teams. Like there's not a lot of drama. It's all Lane Kiffin coaching drama going to Auburn. Like that's all it is. Now I still don't, I'll believe it when I see it. I still don't buy it. And maybe this is going to age poorly and I'll be dead wrong. And maybe he's on Friday. He's the head coach at Auburn. But um, by the way, he's the king of Twitter. Let's just give Lane a follow and just enjoy. Um, yeah. But Which... this is a, it's a big like Mississippi State can't, can't stop the run either, and Ole Miss has been able to run the ball like crazy. So, I, like, I think there's a ton of points. Take the over, sit back, and drink some whiskey on Thanksgiving night and enjoy the game. Like, it's just so much fun. It's such a What's great the spread? Game. Two and a half. Two. Yeah, no. Ole Miss at home. Say all right. Okay, let's do this. We're both report. We're both sideline reporting for the game, and we have right. to before before every game. If obviously if you're a sideline reporter, you're pre you're pre assigned to a team. So if Ole Miss wins, you take the if right. you take the interview with Lane. You know, vice versa. I am abs. If we had to divide up, I would want Mike Leach. Would you fight me on that? Because if you don't, no. if you don't win, you don't get the post game presser. No, so, no, no. I wouldn't fight you on that. Or the, the, op the, op the opportunity to ask Lane a couple of questions after a an after an egg bowl. I figured you would fall. Just, I figured I'm we would even that. split. Okay. <laughs> I I kind of thought we would like agree there and just yes. there would be no argument. Because yes. my first, yeah, I'm question, taking Mike Leach no matter what. My first question to Lane would be. Like, what does it mean to you personally to be three and zero in this rivalry, and how much does this rivalry mean to you? Like, I would butter him up with that kind of question. That's very like open ended. Tell me what this means to you. The follow up is, why would you not be interested in the Auburn job? Tell me why, because you can't be like, is there any truth to the rumors? He's just going to go no. But maybe you do need to get a yes or no answer. Maybe you need to get him on the record saying no. I don't know. I, yeah. I, what What would be your approach to Lane? You asked the first question about football, about the game, about the win. And then the second question is, it's got to be around Auburn. It's got to be based on Auburn. And if you want the yes or no answer, it's, is there any truth to the rumor that you are stepping down tomorrow? Well, I already know what his answer would be. He's not going to answer that. So I wouldn't waste a question on it. I would give him a hypothetical and say, if in an alternate universe or potentially tomorrow, you take the Auburn job or whoever takes it. Do you keep, don't you have to keep Cadillac Williams on staff? No, oh, man, that's juicy. I like that direction, but I don't, man, but he's not going to answer if he's going to take it or not. So you've just wasted a question, well, but, but you know, but you've put him on the record though. So I was really great. But by the way, David Ubbin, great. The Bobby Petrino story, reliving the whole, motorcycle accident and everything like he did a great job reporting on that's that. alleged go, by the way go check no go check out the athletic i've talked to him off the record there's some other stuff back that he can't report but it's we gotta get our t-shirts made there's there's more so. <laughs> allegedly allegedly um he did a great job re-reporting all of the stuff and kind of digging back into it a great story um but one of the things that 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 at that bobby petrino press conference that had to be done after the press conference was over is one reporter um, I think it was John Henry, I believe, got over to him after the, the press conference. And he said, were you alone on the motorcycle? <laughs> and because no one had no one had that part of the story yet. But he had had one source that had told him, hey, there was, was you, you need to dig into this, this. And he was a pretty high. This was a pretty high level source. And so but you had to get Bobby Petrino on the record with a yes or no answer. And he said, no, Bobby Petrino was like, no. He was like, so you were alone on the motorcycle. There was no other person with you. And he said, no, I was alone. Like. So they put him on the record and then they caught him in the lie. So it there is an element of like are you are you stepping down from the from the Ole Miss football program to take the Auburn job? Yes or no? I if it was a radio interview, I'd want to be more like why wouldn't you take the job, Lane? And then he goes off and oh, I love Ole Miss, I love my family, I love I'm settled here, he can blah, blah, skirt blah, blah, around blah. it. He can get around that one with a pretty you know, smooth answer. 
you cannot, you have to say yes or no. If I say, are you taking the Auburn job tomorrow? Or, or I guess you, you don't, you, you don't want to say tomorrow. You say, are you, are you going to be the head coach at Auburn? And he has to say yes or no. So I still don't think he is. I'll believe it when I see it. I will I believe it when I see it too. I think it would be really hard. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine him sitting back and being like, oh, Hugh Freeze is taking that job. I think that'd be really hard for him to just watch happen. And I think that's partially because Hugh Freeze is is able to do, I mean, he figures shit out. Lost in all of this, and I know like if it's a $100 million contract, that's different. Here's the other thing. Money. G- generally speaking, uh, like Auburn football can win national championships. Ole Miss cannot. That's it. Like... Uh, Ole Miss has not competed for a national championship since integration. Auburn has been to multiple national title games this decade. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're talking about upside and that's what like, ultimately if they're offering you a big bag of cash and you want to win a national title, Auburn is the better place to do it. Despite all the drama, despite all the noise, despite all the booster meddling, you can win, you can win a lot more at Auburn than you can at Ole Miss. So. Historically speaking, you are correct. What what a Thursday Friday it's going to be uh, this week. Uh, speaking of speaking of Cadillac, first of all, Cadillac Williams is why we love college football. Just love the story. We said we it last week. Um, I do think that the the fairy tale ends a little bit though. Like I, Alabama's at home, they're much better at home. You know, Bryce Young, Will Anderson, their final games as Alabama players. Twenty one and a half point spread. Vegas is telling us it's not going to be close. Uh, Auburn's not going to be able to just line up and run the ball in Alabama the entire game and not have any semblance of a passing attack. I, I think that I think the story runs it has already run its course. It's a great story. I just don't think there's the that final chapter where Cadillac has carried off a- after beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I don't I don't I just don't see it happening. No, but did you think Vanny was going to beat Florida? No, no, good point. Or South did Carolina, you think Tennessee. South yeah. Carolina was going to thump Tennessee. No, You're right. Um, I, I agree. You can't use your reasonable mind and know as and be in all of this information week in and week out and honestly say that you think Auburn's going to win. But I don't know if I agree about the fair. I think us having as much access to Cadillac and being able to see him week in and week out, I do think that you know dips down a little bit because I just don't think we're going to get that. You know, we're not yeah. probably going to get that same happy post game presser. But I, I really hope no matter what happens at Auburn that he stays around and we get to see him as much as possible. He can be the symbolic leader of, of the team, but um, you're, telling, you're telling me that dude wouldn't be a great recruiting coordinator. Oh or, my God. There wouldn't be nobody better. I don't think running backs, coach coordinator. Like I give him some titles, man. I keep him on staff for sure. Like if you're yeah. an Auburn fan, Auburn fans are in love with the dude. Like they're like, give him the head coaching job. And I'm kind of like, gr- I'm like, ah, he, I don't know if he's qualified for that yet, but well, he, we said that. Yeah. And said the same thing about Beamer, but that's, that's valid. I still that's valid. need, I, no matter what happened, what's happening in South Carolina with Beamer, Beamer, I think that needs to repeat itself more and more so that we know for sure it's it's like you know the gonna be what the non coordinator try out the the CEO Rura Ra guy right okay um but, I, I, you're, you're not wrong about that Beamer is the same not not that different of a situation than Cadillac honestly mm-hmm. yeah now expectations at the two places are very different this is true like you got to beat Nick Saban I know versus, versus being in South Carolina but so. crazy. Crazy, crazy shit. It, it sucks yep. for Auburn that it's not at home. Um, but, and you know, we saw what happened with with this game last year of the four overtimes in Alabama mm-hmm. coming back from a 10-point deficit. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen, you know, kick six and everything in between. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think um, Bama, I think Bama wins big. But Cadillac said that someone asked him what he was going to say to this team before the game to try to get them in the place they needed to be. And he goes, there's no magical speech for this game. Nope. And uh, he's he's not wrong. So we'll hope that his speech is good enough to at least make it interesting. And um, I know Saban really does not want to lose this one. War, damn, eagle. That's all you got to say. Um, we are Auburn <laughs> or something like that. Uh, all right, let's look at the other games real fast here because there's so many other great games. Like Louisville and Kentucky, to me, I've been to this one. It's a great game. I have not. Far, far more hate, hate-filled. hate All these are far more hate-filled than people realize. Um, Louisville hates people just yeah, in general. But, and But think about like Scott Satterfield, the head coach at Louisville, they started the season so poorly that they were trying to fire him. Kentucky starts the season so well. Like the story arcs of these two teams are very different now at the end of the Something, year. Louisville, yeah. Louisville's winning all these games and pulling all these upsets. And now they're the team that, that could have the better record. They're an underdog on the road against Kentucky. I Kentucky has the, you know, we don't know about um, Malik Cunningham, the quarterback for Louisville. So we'll see about that. But this is a great, this, this defines both of their seasons in the state of Kentucky. 
Yeah. Because because of how the seasons have progressed and like they're kind of two ships passing in the night to some degree. If Kentucky wins, then it sort of ends that conversation and it says, look, we're still the better program. Congrats to Mark Stoops on the contract extension, all that stuff. Uh, but if Louisville wins, that really changes the football dynamic in the state from where it was at the beginning of the year, for sure. It, it does. And don't underestimate a, you know, no offense to Kentucky. There is a there is high concentration around sporting programs in the state because honestly, there's not that much else to do in large parts of the state. That is not I'm not saying that in an offensive way. Coal, you guys coal mining. There's some coal mining. Horse in the racing. And... There's lots of, you know, <laughs> bourbon, of... whatever, whiskey, whatever. So you that's great. Land, land but... between the lakes, you know, nice place to hang out on the weekend. Yep. But don't be jaded because I do think that there is enough hate that stems probably from basketball hatred and and that competitive nature of Louisville and Kentucky basketball. And don't be fooled. That stuff spills over. So well, this, this is why Auburn, Alabama is so great. This is why South Carolina Clemson is so great. This is why Egg Bowl is so great. When you are in a state where the two biggest sports entities are the two main rival colleges, like there's no professional sports teams Correct. in those states. Uh, there's no, like, that is it. Yep. And and it's not the same. Like Arkansas, Missouri, I know they're attached and it's a fun game and it could be really close. It's Missouri's, not like Missouri's this. fighting for bowl eligibility, but there's so much pro sports in Missouri. Missouri fans just don't care as much about Arkansas. Like Arkansas right. is the thing in the state of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, South Carolina, Clemson, same same deal. Like there's so much vitriol in that in that rivalry. And frankly, South Carolina has never been this close uh, to Clemson. I don't. I I think we talk about regressions a lot on the show. I I don't see Spencer Rattler replicating that performance against Clemson on the road. But who knows? The one I love the most, honestly, and we'll talk to Chris Doring about this coming up in just a minute. Florida, Florida State on a Friday night. Billy Napier, year one. Mike Norvell and Florida State has totally turned it around. Like, why why do we not get this game on a Friday night all the time? Like, this is gr- I love this on a Friday night. If it works, great. they may start. I think it's great. Yeah, but Florida people do not like it. They they do not. Why do you like think it that is? Because it's sad. Oh, Saturdays are for college football. Yeah, but if then you, you can still watch all. The only reason the Egg Bowl is on Thursday night is because they're the only teams that would say yes. <laughs> True. Like it's not because you you make more money or it's better for your students. Like you do get more exposure if there's not competition. Yeah, well, there's NFL football on Thursday night. Oh yeah, that's true. Like there's no NFL football on Friday night for now. There will yeah, be... I know that Friday is like a different thing because if, to me yeah. that's like Arkansas you know. Missouri's on Friday afternoon. So Black Friday is great. I mean, you got you you got England USA World Cup, baby. I will not be shop if I shop. It's going to be on Amazon. I don't do the Black Friday thing. I will be. Sitting on the couch. Uh, so I'm doing ESPN radio, uh, 9 a.m. Central God's time to like two. And I was like, can I just leave an hour early to watch the USA England match? And they were like, no. <laughs> you knew the answer to that. <laughs> no, I know. But like, I was like, God, because it's so fun to do shows on on when there's just football happening all around you before, mm-hmm. before during and after. It's just it's right. a great time to do a show. But I re- like this England USA match is so important after the goddamn penalty kick. From Nashville, SC. Are your girls Walker, fired up? Walker Zimmerman. Uh, yes, yes. The I believe that we will win chant happens frequently in the house. I love that. Yeah, it's great. No, they lo- they love uh, international soccer. I took my oldest to the one of the qualifiers here in Nashville uh, against Canada and saw the goal score like right in front of her, and she like went bananas. It was great. She's doing the whole cheers. The you, yes. How did you, know, you that, have that such cool kids? Uh, that's a great question, uh, my okay. wife. Uh, L- LSU, LSU, A and M. Also, just again, LSU's got to keep winning. It's yep. a nine and a half point spread. What which one of these games? You could go to any one of these five that we're talking about. Not the big ones, not the Egg Bowl, the Iron Bowl. If you could go to one of these. Okay. So Louisville, Kentucky, Florida, Florida, Florida State, State, Arkansas, Missouri, South Carolina, Clemson, LSU, AM. I know it's easy for me. It's LSU AM. I mean, that's the obvious answer. If I wasn't going to do that, I would probably have to say Florida, Florida State. Yeah. Friday I just night. haven't I haven't been to that game. Um I so that would be that would be my second choice. Yeah, and Missouri again, not a bad game. Like Missouri, Arkansas, three point spread. Missouri fighting for a no, bowl. You're up. just not picking that between these five. I, no, I'm not. But like, there's a lot on the line for Missouri. Like they're at home. They're an underdog to Arkansas, who's beatable but good. Missouri's beatable but good, and they need to get to a bowl. They need to win to get to a bowl. So like, there's just a lot of drama in this week around season defining moments for so many teams. And I just, excuse me, I think that's what makes this game and this week so great. And you know what? Take some time to be thankful. 
for all the things you got in your life, your family. And you know what? Give that uncle some FaceTime on Thanksgiving. Okay. Just give him some FaceTime because that's all he needs is someone to acknowledge that he exists. And then maybe he won't end up in some weird internet chat room doing weird stuff. Okay. Just Are you talking give... about you must have? Everybody has that uncle that you don't want to talk to at Thanksgiving. That's <laughs> weird and off the rails. What that person needs is not to be ignored. They need to be heard, Aaron. Okay. That's true. Do you so think they, so? They don't end up in a QAnon chat room. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh yeah. Well, you don't want to get that dark. Give him some FaceTime. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. acknowledge and hear him, and then maybe he won't end up acting like a Looney Tune. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, everybody, or do your best at least. Just be nice, be thankful, be grateful, enjoy football, food, family, beer, booze, whatever. It's gonna be great. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us, of course. Chris Doring, uh, we'll wrap hey. up the show. Uh, otherwise, special thanks to J.E. Dunn for supporting us, right? Yep. J.E. Dunn. J.E. Dunn.com. We're thankful for them. Very thankful for J.E. Dunn. Yep. J.E. Dunn.com. Go check them out. Um, that does it for us. Uh, no wrap-up here. We'll let we'll let Chris Doring send us off into our Thanksgiving holiday. Isn't that uh, lovely? Here it was my conversation. Lots about rivalry and none about the SEC Network. Here was my conversation with former Florida Gator Chris Doring. CD, good to see you, man. Happy Thanksgiving. How are you, sir? Good, Brad. Good to be back with you, man. It's hard to believe we're here at uh, Thanksgiving time, which means the season's about over with. And uh, it seemed like it's flown by once again. Every year it just gets faster and faster. Shortest regular season in all of sports. Everybody pour one out for uh, one more regular season weekend of college football, which That's is, right. however, one of the best of the entire week or the entire season. And I want to first, before we get into some of these teams and how the season has unfolded and the jobs some of these coaches have done, I do want to get your your sort of explain to people what it is like because we got the Egg Bowl on Thursday, which is like one of the most fa- like just absolutely fantastic rivalries in all of college yeah. football. We we know about the Iron Bowl, but it's not just those. It's Louisville, Kentucky. It's Georgia, Georgia Tech, clean old fashioned hate. It's South Carolina, Clemson, Florida, Florida State. Obviously, the one that you played in. This is across the board. Just these teams that hate each other. Can you try to describe what it is like to be in a locker room, to be on the field? playing yeah. in a game that's like this particular type of rivalry for all these all these different teams. Yeah, I mean, I think specifically for us, you know, we, when we look at it in the state of Florida, the dynamic is almost of big brother, little brother. And, and you know, Florida's the flagship university of the state. Florida State used to be a women's college and then developed into being co-ed. And so <laughs> I think there's this existing uh, inferiority complex that, that they have, almost a little like Auburn, Alabama on a smaller scale. And then also, I think along the same lines of, of uh, lack of respect that, that we have for them, like as, a, as a, a Florida guy, we have rivals in this car. Georgia is a huge rival of ours. LSU's become a huge rival of ours. Tennessee is obviously a huge rival of ours. But I think there's a lot of respect amongst SEC rivals, whereas I, Florida State, I don't have any respect for them at all. I genuinely disdain <laughs> Florida State. And other than the attractive nature of their, their females, I don't say much good about uh, Florida State in general. Uh, would you go helmet to helmet on Danny Cannell? Would you do it? <laughs> no, Danny's my boy. No, I love Danny. It's, it's funny because uh, you know Danny and I didn't like each other when we played against one another, as is typically the case. And then we got a chance to play together at the Senior Bowl, and uh, he became one of my good friends. And she just had a chance to hang out together out in Vegas at the NFL Draft. So I think when you take the colors away, you take the helmet off, you know, everybody's kind of the same. But I think – I think familiarity breeds contempt, right? And everybody knowing one another in the state of Florida, having played against so many of the other guys in high school, um, you know, now vying to get back the quickest in terms of, of state superiority. Like there, there's a, a lot of different undertones that take place here. And, and uh, golly, the, this, this has changed a lot from what I thought it was going to be with Florida coming in rolling uh, to now yeah. maybe limping in a little bit more to this one. Well, and even it's not just that one, but Kentucky and Louisville, you, you look at Vanderbilt trying to get to bowl eligibility. Obviously, they look closer now to Tennessee than they did a couple of weeks ago without Hendon Hooker and how well that they've been playing. Like the, the stakes in the Egg Bowl, like Ole Miss could lose three straight to end the year or they could beat Mississippi State. Like you, you talk about Florida and Florida State. Obviously, I think Georgia and Georgia Tech is sort of a foregone conclusion. Uh, so kind of taking that one out of the equation, I, I can't remember a rivalry week where I felt like more seasons will be defined by what takes place this weekend than I than I can ever remember. Yeah, yeah, a lot of on the line, even if you include uh, Missouri and Arkansas in that mix, Missouri trying to get to bowl eligibility. Yeah. Like there's a there's a lot that's on the line for a lot of these different teams. And, and 
you know, part of it is bowl positioning, trying to get yourself to the best postseason bowl if you're already bowl eligibility. Part of it's just ending the year on a good note and, and how that can help you heading into to the offseason. Um, so I, I do think there's uh, – not to mention the recruiting aspect of it. You know, most of these taking place uh, interstate uh, – in-state games, uh, you know, trying to be able to, to take advantage of the talent that's coming out that will be signing ultimately in December. So there there are a lot of different motivating factors that, that take place for these teams. And, and really, you know, just being able to go home and, and for a year live with bragging rights is, is one of the, the biggest motivating factors. So Tennessee's defense has always been a huge question. It obviously came to light uh, on Saturday night. Spencer Rattler has the game of his entire life, and sometimes that just happens, and Tennessee's now out of the playoff. It just you know, two two questions here. One, how shocked, shocking are you, and how should Tennessee fans view their their season big picture? And yeah. how does how does the injury affect the way people should voters should look at Hendon Hooker's Heisman candidacy? I am absolutely shocked. I mean, I was of the impression, not just because of how Tennessee has played all year long, but because of where South Carolina was coming. I, I watched him play against my alma mater and just looked putrid. In, in two of the three phases, uh, the only points they got came on a special teams fake punt they scored on. And then to come out, you know, credit Marcus Satterfield, credit that offensive staff for a game plan they put together that utilized a lot of uh, uh, different weapons there. You know, I thought Spencer Rattler distributed the football really well. The offensive line blocked better than I had seen them all year long. Uh, they felt good about their receivers taking advantage of the Achilles heel of, of Tennessee all season. That's the secondary uh, but I never would have imagined the game would have gone that that way that fast. And it was really a case of, of South Carolina kind of Tennesseeing what everybody else had, yep. had done to what they'd done to everybody else, Tennesseeing Tennessee, uh, where they were the aggressors and Tennessee was trying to react and they just couldn't couldn't hang in there for whatever reason. But you know, to add insult to injury, the way that that thing went down with Hinden at the end of the game, you know, I, there's not a player that I've enjoyed watching more over the last two years. Than Hendon Hooker, a guy that transfers, that that believes in himself, that doesn't win the job initially, that you know waits his turn, gets his opportunity, and then runs with it. Um, the offense has run really like a well-oiled machine since he's taken over. But the leadership aspect that he's brought, the maturity as a what twenty-five-year-old quarterback to you know the, a lot of young guys in that locker room, uh, it, it really just speaks to the type of person he is, and and uh, hopefully he comes back quickly. Unfortunately, I think he's out of the Heisman mix. I had him early in the season as my Heisman favorite, but you know, coming off of two losses in the last three ball games where the offense is sputtered and a, a chance yep. to not having a chance to to really change that in the eyes of the voter, I think it's going to cost him. Georgia felt like it separated itself yet again this week, not just from the SEC but from the rest of the country. What do you make of the matchup? Early thoughts, obviously, were a ways away uh, against LSU in the SEC title game, and and who in college football is. Like, is it USC and Caleb Williams' offense? Like, who in college football is actually equipped to attack Georgia in the in the postseason? I don't know that anybody is. I mean, you, you look at how physical Georgia was with Tennessee. I imagine they take the same approach to USC, who I I don't think they play a lot of physical football in the Pac-12 to begin with. But, um, you know, I, I think LSU's in some trouble uh, because the biggest matchup is the offensive line, particularly those freshman tackles having to play against the Georgia front seven, who – you go back and watch that Tennessee tape, they brought as well an orchestrated defense, the blitzes from all over, the way that you know they dropped into coverage, the way that the, the corners played one-on-one. I mean, they, they're just they, – they, they did it, and they did it at such a, a high level um, that I, I don't know that, that LSU is going to be able to, to hang in there to give Jaden Daniels an opportunity to throw or to let him use his legs. Uh, they're as athletic as, as uh, Jaden Daniels is on the Georgia defensive side. So – I think it's it's going to be tough sledding for LSU in general. So no, like Ohio State's offense, like what's the one thing you want? What's the one team you want to see against Georgia that you think actually creates an interesting game? Is there? Is, is, um, I mean, I don't know if there is one, so I'm asking you. I, I don't know that there is one either. But if we're you know if we're we're grasping for straws, maybe USC, maybe Ohio State. One of those two teams probably would be fun to watch. Certainly not Michigan. <coughs> Excuse me, even though that Michigan's got a more athletic quarterback this year. I don't know that Michigan presents yeah. much of a challenge for them. TCU probably not. When you look at the coaching, um, so maybe Ohio State, maybe uh, at this point. It, when, when you look at the coaching in the, in, <laughs> in the east, uh, no, no problem. The coaching in the east, it's hard to remember a time in which all seven fan bases are like all excited about their guy. And I'm going to get to Florida at the end of this because Missouri gets an extension, Eli Drinkwitz gets an extension, Mark Stoops gets an extension. 
Josh Heupel is coach of the year candidate. You got Clark Lee doing amazing work at Vanderbilt to get to where the to where they are now, five and six with wins over Kentucky and Florida. And of course, Shane Beamer now back to back seven win seasons already. Billy Napier, I think we all knew was going to have a longer build at Florida than maybe Brian Kelly at LSU. I think that's a totally normal thing to think. Can you remember a time where more fan bases were more excited about their situation? And how does Florida right now view Billy Napier with one game to go in the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I think typically most fan bases are trying to figure out a way they can get rid of their coach to go get the next new shiny toy that's out there. But you're right. I mean, I, I think everybody's feeling pretty good about where they are from the top down. Um, you know, Shane that went on Saturday, I mean, just further has to get that fan base excited in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, the, the extensions for Stoops and, and drink, as you mentioned, uh, I'm glad to see Stoops staying in Lexington. I think it's a great fit. I honestly believe that, you know, Auburn probably would have done well by, by trying to go after Mark Stoops and what he's, um, brings in terms of program development, uh, player development. Discipline it would have been a good good hire there, but I'm glad he's staying in Lexington. Uh, I love Drink as well, and he's shown that they've gotten some traction on the recruiting trail, particularly in the state of Missouri and and uh, outlying areas. Um, and then in Florida, man, like I I really believe, even though you know Florida took a, a couple steps back against Vandy on Saturday, I really believe they have the right guy. The talent needs to be upgraded, and he's in the midst of of doing that with his. Uh, signing classes that uh, have, have been, you know, put together the commits that he has for December. Um, but you look at the things that I've seen immediate, Braden, the impact, they play really hard. They, they, they play for 60 minutes. When bad things happen, they don't hang their head the way that, you know, I think te recent Florida teams have. Um, so that, that's part of building the, the, the expectation, the culture. Look no further than, you know, kicking Brent Cox off the team. They knew they had to make a move because they, he wasn't buying into what, you know, the coaches were asking. He was more of a me guy. And so, you know, they, they move on. And actually the defense has played better since they, uh, they've, they've, you know, got rid of their best pass rusher. So, you know, I think there's a lot of really young, talented guys are going to get an opportunity to play more meaningful snaps, which is only going to help, you know, Florida's development to the 2023 season. All right. One more and I'll let you go. Um, Cadillac Williams, the story that is Cadillac Williams is why we all love college football. Like that's that's that kind of thing is why we love yeah. college football. But Chris Doring is now in complete control. And, and from a media perspective, as a fan of SEC football, you are in complete control over who ends up at Auburn, who as a as a fan of the game and as a media member, who do you want to see as the head coach of the, of the Auburn Tigers? I hope it's not Lane. I hope Lane stays in Oxford. Like I love the fit there. I love what he's done to elevate that program. Um, you know, honestly, probably Hugh Freeze. I mean, I think uh, the brand of football that uh, he would bring offensively there, uh, a guy that's experienced in the SEC that's had success against Nick Saban. You know, that's probably the one that 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 makes the most sense to me right now. I don't know. How about you? Uh, that would get the most clicks, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, that, I, mean, I want the really... I want the clicks. I'm here for the clicks, baby. We've got a lot of, uh, of of characters with personalities in the conference right now. You talked about fan bases happy with their their guy. You know, there's a lot of really strong personalities across the entire conference landscape. So yeah, that'd be another one to add to the mix for sure. Yeah, it's amazing how fast the fit at, for Brian Kelly culturally at LSU has disappeared. How that how quickly that conversation disappears. Dude, uh, I can't say enough about that guy, man. Yeah, the, yeah. the leadership where he's taken that team from where they started to where they are now, the the uh, the evolution of Jaden Daniels, uh, the confidence with which they're playing, all rowing in the same direction. Like it's been impressive. He's had that impact so quickly there. I, I'm and I've and I've called my shot now for about three weeks on the show. New head football coach at the University of Alabama in 2027, Lane Kiffin. I've, 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 he will stay at it. It will stay on Ole Miss. He will build that thing for a while. He'll be settled and happy till the daughter and the son graduate high school. And all of a sudden, Saban's going to decide to retire. I don't know why, but I feel like there is no better succession plan for Nick Saban than Lane Kiffin. I don't. I don't know why. I'm, I'm calling my shot for like four years in advance. Well, so. it's a good point because I think you look at the path that. That, um, that Alabama's on was all started by hiring Lane Kiffin there and say what you want about him being immature at the time or irresponsible in terms of showing up to meetings on time or, or missing buses or whatever. Like the <laughs> dude brought them into the new era of college football yeah, and yeah. each successive offensive coordinator has built on it, but it started with Lane.
And he's different today than he was five years ago. No question. Five years ago, he takes the Auburn job. Today, I don't think so. So uh, we'll see. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, man, to you and the fam. Uh, Enjoy the weekend. All the the rivalry games. So, so much fun, man. It's my favorite weekend of the entire calendar year. Great to talk to you. Thanks for giving us some time. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks. Yeah, I miss you, Braden. Look forward to hanging out soon, man.